Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. City College is in trouble, and it has been for a long time. Enrollment was gradually falling and then cratered during the pandemic and this recent hot job market. But City College also has some structural problems, too, running big deficits for years. San Francisco voters have generally been happy to back this place, but there's a new parcel tax on the ballot that some city leaders and media organizations oppose. So today, we talk City College and the broader ethos of community colleges across the state and country. Because asking, what is a community college for, turns out to be a lot like asking, what is a community and who belongs in it? That's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Community colleges are a stepping stone for so many people to jobs or further education. My dad went to one on his way to UCLA. My sister and I attended while in high school. Really a life-changing experience for both of us. City College in San Francisco has long been one of the biggest and most important community colleges in the state and country. But it's got serious problems, and the reasons for those problems are hotly debated and stretch back more than a decade. It's in that context that we come to Prop O in San Francisco, a new parcel tax designed to put the college on better financial footing and which has been opposed by the San Francisco Chronicle's editorial board, SPUR, and some other city organizations. It's backed by the teachers at City College. Joining us to talk about this issue in the larger context of the roles and importance of community college, first we've got Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, reporter and producer covering politics at KQED News. Welcome, Joe. Good morning. We've also got Vic Chung. A former City College student trustee, and now they're a candidate for the City College Board of Trustees. Welcome, Vic. Good morning. Uh, so, Joe, I want to ask you, how did we get to this point? Can you give us just sort of, for people who haven't been paying attention or don't live in San Francisco, what's kind of the pocket history of these recent years of, of City College? Yeah, it's been a long road getting from there to here. It's uh, it's uh, uh, in 2012. There's about 73,000 students at City College of San Francisco, and today we've seen that enrollment drop to less than 25,000. Um, as you mentioned, kind of at the top, you know, City College has been deficit spending uh, for years, and at some point that philosophy got them in trouble with its accreditors um, and then city, and, and, and teachers and folks who were fighting for City College's survival uh, saw the school nearly closed 
and in 2013 brought it to court when uh, and, and they were able to get a decision by Judge Curtis Carnow that the whole uh, 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 accrediting process was unfair to City College in 2015 and saved them. Mm-hmm. But that may have accelerated this enrollment problem we saw, mm-hmm. this bad news about the potential closure of City College, which then was doubly uh, uh, harmed by the pandemic, which affected community colleges across the state and country. So now we're at a point where uh, enrollment is uh, extremely low, and the college is trying to make decisions about which classes to keep and which to lose. And when it uh, when it uh, jettisons those classes, that also means faculty are lost. Um, just this year, uh, we saw more than three dozen uh, faculty cut, full-time faculty. But what isn't included in that number are the part-time faculty. And there's uh, more than 100 who just simply weren't rehired. They don't count as cuts, but we don't see them anymore. So we're And in the broader view, what we're seeing is a kind of a debate over what kind of college we have and the funding that we need Mm. in order to have it. Yeah. We're going to get to a lot more of those issues. I just want to focus in on the sort of budgetary issues for a second. You know, as I was reading up on everything about City College, catching up on, you know, this, this history, I couldn't really figure out where, why the deficit went to the red was it bad management? Was it mounting pension costs? Too many? Like, what, what, what exactly happened uh, insofar as we can know that? I mean, there's, there's many things going on, but I think the thing that uh, folks who, who are critics of City College would argue is that the college was spending for classes when students weren't showing up with the idea that uh, this philosophical kind of stance that City College should be uh, more like a public good almost like we have a library, like we don't ask libraries to make money, right? We just simply provide them. We don't measure the number of times someone checks out uh, a book in order to make sure we keep putting books on the shelves. We just put them there. And so they had the argument that these classes should be available because that enrollment might fluctuate as society needs more people in classes. Mm -hmm. And we see that fluctuate, right, Alexis? When we have, uh, when uh, uh, the economy is down and people are looking for new jobs, that's when they go retrain and uh, enrollment swells. When the economy is doing good, when people have a better opportunity to get jobs at any point, then they don't retrain as much and uh, the uh, enrollment lessens. You know, Vic, um, some powerful entities in the city have come out against uh, PROPO, which would provide more funding based on the parcel tax in San Francisco. And it's a little complicated. We're going to leave those details to the side for a second. What happens in your mind to City College if it doesn't, if Prop O fails? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what I, I want to just circle back in for a moment and just really address uh, the the Accreditation Commission, right? It It's true. It's, you know, it's found clear that it, it's a institution that has a conf- clear conflict of interest and should not be relied on as a neutral party committed to, you know, really meeting the needs of San Francisco community for accessible public higher education. And, you know, with regards to to funding for our public school systems, right, it's until we can address the gaps in our community colleges are, that are funded at the state level, we need to fund our K through 14 public schools locally through means like passing Proposition O, right? The fact is our K through 14 system have been underfunded for over three decades since Reagan's administration. And in practice, we have witnessed how racist the current state funding formula is. It failed to serve our most marginalized populations because it discriminates against ESL students and student caregivers to 
parents and children who can't afford to go to school full time. This wait, hey Vic, wait, let's stay on that one for one second because some okay. people may not know about this formula that allocates funding in different ways to different kinds of students. Can you can you talk a little bit more about what what you mean there? Yeah, absolutely. So the issue is, um, and and Joe kind of really hit on this, um, right? As far as how funding is allocated through K through fourteen, right? It's it's really by um, the amount of students we are serving, but it's not even by the amount of heads. It's about the full time equivalent student <laughs> that is enrolled, right? So it means students who are able to um, who are be, on their way to a four year university, probably. Correct, exactly. And and that really fails our, our immigrant students, right, from urban and low-income communities that can't afford the cost of living in our cities and can't afford to go to school full-time because they're, they're student caregivers and parents and to children and parents, right? And, and the incumbents have signed off on cutting over 40% of the classes from what we offered four years ago. And they laid off dozens of full-time faculty, as Joe said, right? And on top of that, that's the hundreds of part-time faculty yeah. And what I view it as the wrong approach to solving its fiscal problems, right? It's not a recipe for success, and it's not what San Franciscans need. So let me ask you this. Let's say I'm a San Francisco city voter listening to this program, and I agree philosophically with, with what you're saying. They also may be looking at, you know, there was a bond measure just two years ago um, to support the school. There's been, you know, a, a lot of support for the school through time, traditionally. Is there enough... I guess, managerial competence at all the levels of the school to give people confidence. I mean, this is kind of the argument of the Chronicle that, you know, this school has kind of gotten itself into trouble through through mismanagement. And so why would we hand more money to a place that has proven itself unable to sort of be responsible with the funding that it has? So what what's your response to that? Okay, I think and I, I want to take the opportunity to really you know, share my story, right? I'm running for the college board alongside Anita Martinez, Susan Solomon, and Adolfo Velasquez. And I myself, through serving as a community health advocate for over a decade as a as a personal beneficiary of City College and many of the state programs from Section 8 housing to Cal Grant, like as a child of Chinese Vietnamese refugees born and raised in San Francisco, I understand the critical role community colleges play in black and brown communities that face linguistic, cultural, and transgenerational barriers to accessing socioeconomic opportunities. Look, City College helped my parents learn English, obtain citizenship and employment, and it helped me a queer Asian American heal from transgenerational trauma, sexual trauma, um, as a domestic survivor and emerge with a passion for expanding access to public education, right? It, I served alongside incumbents as a student trustee along the, the, during the pandemic and I'm running because I know education is medicine, right? And the incumbents are not doing enough to protect City College from corrosive corporate forces looking to privatize access to public education and downsize our college. I mean, I still think that doesn't quite directly, and I appreciate you sharing that experience with us and I, you know, community colleges. I think I don't think anyone on this panel disagrees that community colleges can be this incredible force for good in our communities. I think the question turns around the trust that people have in this particular institution at this particular time. Sure. Alexis, can I, can I address yeah, sure. your questions yeah. about fiscal solvency? So I, to sum up kind of how this has happened, uh, the, the fiscal uh, uh, watchdogs that exist and the accreditors that exist use a different yardstick than City College is using for itself. 
if if you if you were being abs- as most generous as you could, you could say that they the, the the creditors are saying this is the yardstick you need to use how the rest of the state does it, and City College is saying that's not the yardstick we use. We philosoph- philosophically believe in funding X classes, and we're not going to make the cuts you want because we believe they need to be there. And there's a historical reason for that. Um, out of the 116 community colleges in the state, and there's 116, there's a lot, um, only two in the entire system are set up like City College of San Francisco. City College of San Francisco and I believe San Diego City College. It has kind of a dual mission. It has credit classes and non-credit classes. The credit classes transfer to uh, four-year schools, and the non-credit classes are kind of like the uh, um, uh, ESL. huge portion of them are ESL for our large immigrant population and uh, workforce training programs. And those classes are not funded quite the same way as the credit ones. There's all sorts of bonuses and extra money you get when you transfer students that you don't get for ESL classes because someone just learns English and then they go become a, I don't know, a office worker or a janitor or anyone. Um, and so this dual mission that City College has had since its inception um, uh, is or, or since close to its inception has shaped its philosophy of bringing classes to the city and to the community. We ha- there were like dozens and dozens of satellite campuses. That was another cost that City College has that not a lot of not a lot of other community colleges have. They had you know a little uh, 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 classroom in a high school in you know uh, in in uh, Chinatown. You know they have you have a one in a church in the Bayview. They reach out into the community and have those classes where the people are. Mm-hmm. That's why it's different. And I was just thinking, you know, Vic Chang is calling this K through 14, which I think is an, an interesting move as well. Um, we're talking about the future of City College San Francisco, as well as community colleges across California with Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, a reporter and producer covering politics with KQED and has been covering this issue, as well as Vic Chung, former City College student trustee, now a candidate for the City College Board of Trustees. We want to know, have you gone to a community college and what role has it played in your life? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. If you went to community college, what role did it play in your life? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about the future of City College in San Francisco, of course, as well as community colleges across California, joined by Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, reporter and producer covering politics with KQED. 
Vic Chung, former city college student trustee, now a candidate for the City College Board of Trustees. Want to add in a couple other voices into our conversation. Jesse Ryan is the executive vice president of the Campaign for College Opportunity, which is a nonprofit policy and research organization that advocates for Californians to attend and succeed in college. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you. I'm happy to be here this morning. Yeah. We're also joined by Sarah Goldrick Robb, uh, author of Paying the Price, College Costs, Financial Aid, and the Betrayal of the American Dream. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Sarah, I've been following your work for a long time. This kind of more than a hashtag, this conceptual frame that you've been talking about, real college. And I want you to talk about, you know, the kind of real college that community colleges are across this country. Like, what do they do for our, our country? Community colleges do so much. I mean, frankly, these are democracies colleges in ways that highly rejective institutions that turn down most people who apply are not. You know, community colleges are the places where the real part of the American dream, the idea that your talent and your hard work can get you a chance and a second chance and a third chance if you need it, that's where it plays out. And you hear that in the description of what the City College has been doing, which is to say, we're not only the place for people who had a great experience in high school. We're not only the place for you know people who are single and can devote time to go full-time in college. This is the place where regular people can go to college. And that's why it's hard to identify these students. They're often invisible. The people don't see them on a campus necessarily. They're all over your city. They're family members of people, you know, in families all over San Francisco and indeed all over the country. They're a wonderful institution that other um, places all over the world are trying to model. Hmm. Given that, given what you said, we know that, you know, at least in California and I think across the country, enrollment in community colleges just plummeted during the pandemic. Like this really feels like one of those things that the pandemic broke that, you know, if you're not in this field, you're not thinking about a lot of the time. Like, what happened there? Like, why did that happen so universally? So what happened is that the very people who community colleges overwhelmingly serve, people who are not the most powerful, people who don't have the most money, were hit by a global pandemic, and the recovery has not really reached them. We would see declining enrollments in K-12 schools right now if it weren't compulsory, Hmm. Higher ed's not compulsory. Community colleges are the place where, you know, people with children, uh, people from families that are just trying to make ends meet, that's where they go. And frankly, these people don't have the economic resources right now or the sufficient health status or the wherewithal after this horrendous experience that's hit them to return to education, even though they really, really need it. So, you know, this is the pandemic playing out. Yeah. I I just want to jump in, if you don't mind, because I I think that what Sarah is saying is so true. And there's Jesse Ryan, by the way, this is Jesse Ryan. Thank you. There has been a huge focus on whether or not our students are questioning the value of college. But I just want to underscore something that Sarah said. I mean, for the vast majority of California students, their dreams, their college dreams will be accessed at a California community college. And they're not questioning the value of having a college education. What they're really weighing is whether or not they can afford to go to college 
college and keep a roof over their head, keep food on the table, meet the basic living needs of their family. And I think that we really need to center the conversation in that reality if we're going to be responsive to students' needs right now. Yeah. You know, Jesse, in this kind of uh, and maybe dichotomy is too strong, but in this sort of various tracks that community colleges uh, have of, you know, people who are coming for, you know, ESL classes or, or language classes generally versus people who are, you know, full-time students and, and doing things like that. I mean, your organization has a position, right? I mean, about what California should prioritize? Well, the campaign has has historically really focused on ensuring that we're meeting the needs of low-income students, first-generation college students, and our very diverse student population across the state. We know from thousands of students that we've worked with throughout California that the majority of community college students go to community colleges to get up skills, to have the opportunity to take classes that will help them transfer and reach their college dreams and their degree goals. And so we are very grateful for all of the different pathways that our community colleges offer. And we have to do a better job of removing barriers to a student being able to access college as a way for them to take the classes they need to achieve a certificate, a degree, and enter the workforce with a well-paying job that allows them to provide for their families. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joe, I wanted to ask you, uh, Joe Fischer-Rodriguez with, with KQD, can you talk to me a little bit about how, what the cost of community colleges for, for me, right? I mean, it's, my understanding is it's free for San Francisco residents, City College, and it, that's, it's funded here, but there's also programs at the state level too? Right, it's it's free uh, for for uh, San Francisco residents, but there are state reimbursements, and certainly there are state costs to City College, and that's actually one of the pieces that's the crux between you know um, San Francisco spending money on these non credit classes versus the credit classes is that the non credit classes aren't funded quite the same way as the credit courses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like I mentioned earlier, they're kind of like um, additional monies given when you meet certain metrics, and this is kind of the tension that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The state wants you to transfer students, get just get them out, get them to four-year universities, transfer, like transfer, transfer. Like that's seen as success. Yeah. Right. That is what is measured as success. Whereas City College is like, well, if we taught someone who was an immigrant English, you know, you're not going to give us the same money for that, but we consider that a success. Hmm. Um, let's uh, go to the phones a little bit. A lot, a lot of people on the phones want to talk about this. Um, Bob Del Vecchio, teacher at City College, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. So I went to a community college and because I needed a second chance and I had to work part time. And then I went on to get my doctorate in biochemistry. And, and now I teach at City College in the biotech program uh, where we prepare people for great careers in the biotech industry. And, you know, our program has been greatly affected by class cuts to the point where we've lost a lot of students. So I'm just wondering if some somebody on the panel can comment on how um, on the forces that are driving low enrollment. So yeah. I hear a lot of talk about low enrollment. How does cutting classes uh, <laughs> lead to loss of students? Yeah. Bob, before we go to the panel on this, I I want you to kind of describe exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like the biotechnology department at City College, as I understand it, only had like three professors, right? And you lost one of them. So what does that mean for a student who's trying to move through your program? Well, they can't. So right now we have 
you know, a number of certificate programs that allow students to then move on into the to get a job, and they can't complete those programs because we don't have enough faculty to offer the courses that the are needed. The full slate. And we, yeah. yeah, and we also aren't able to offer sort of the entry-level courses because we lost, we actually lost more than one faculty. We lost uh, part-timers as well. Mm. So we just don't have enough people to, to offer everything. And there's a huge demand right now. Uh, the biotech industry is exploding in this area. Um, so, you know, we're, we're also, San Francisco is competing with areas like San Diego and Boston, which are huge biotech hubs. And if we're not training people here, then um, companies are going to end up moving. Right. So, yeah, and when we yeah. cut a class, you know, a student needs a job, they're not going to sit and wait for two semesters to um, wait for that class. They need to get a job. They can't, yeah. they can't live here and wait. So, yeah. Bob, thanks so much for uh, for that sure. ground perspective. You know, uh, Joe, you want to talk about that? I mean, this is clearly something that um, the pro prop o side is is talking about a lot. That there is a connection between the offerings of the college and the enrollment thereof. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the, it, David Martin, the the chancellor, was just talking in a in a recent board meeting a few months back about trying to have this kind of more elastic demand. They're trying to do a better job of measuring the number of students in classes at the moment who need those classes to go out into those industries like we're talking about, like biotech. There's a, a lot of, we're in a lot of nursing courses at City College historically as well. There's a lot of in local industry that are fed by City College, and they're trying to do a better job now of trying to measure who's in those classes to get them out of there. Whereas there's a philosophy from the teachers and the teachers union a bit that, you know, we just need to offer them in robust size. Mm. And then if you build it, they will come essentially. Um, Sarah Goldrick, Rob, um, obviously City College is not the only place that deals with these kind of spirals that can go in either direction of sort of, you know, increasing enrollment and therefore there's more money. So therefore there's more classes or the reverse. So what have you seen from other places across the country as they've tried to deal with this kind of issue? Yeah, I mean, this is an issue happening all over the country. Clearly, you know, as I said before, and as Jesse really well articulated, there are a lot of reasons that people are having trouble enrolling in college right now, particularly in community college. And some of that has to do with what's happening in their lives. The other thing it has to do with is, again, whether the courses are being offered at the times and in the ways, the modes, online, in person, et cetera, that fit their needs. What does it take to offer courses in the ways that people want them? It takes money. And so the thing is that there is very good um, evidence from economists that have done many studies that show that spending more on community colleges leads to higher rates of completion of degrees because it allows for more access to courses, smaller class sizes, better advising, et cetera. And yet as the enrollment declines, the money goes with it. And we have this other problem that your college is also dealing with, which is that the federal government put some money in, actually quite a bit of money um, early in the pandemic. Those funds have ended. So now they're on the downslide from having had those resources. Frankly, they still need them. And yet Congress is acting like the pandemic is over. Everybody's fine. We no longer have to help the students. And they're completely wrong. Mm -hmm. There are one other uh, piece to this. If you have time to talk about it, I would like to talk about what's happening particularly around the part-time student issue. Because after the Great Recession, 
almost all of the recovery in college enrollment was from part-time students. Hmm. But guess what? The funding formula here that is being applied is this quote unquote FTE formula that Vic was talking about. And what it actually does is it combines multiple part-time students into counting as just one person, as if each of those students didn't require advising and other supports that mm. doesn't vary by how many classes they take. So your city college is in a perfect storm because it enrolls a disproportionate number of low-income and minoritized students who go more part-time. So the funding formula hurts them more often. Okay, versus in wealthier districts where you have students who are more likely to have more resources, the funding formula favors them. And you know who really is favored by the way that California distributes money? The four-year colleges. I mean, I don't know how we can have this conversation without talking about the fact that once you account for this problem I described, mm -hmm. your city college is only getting about $4,000 per student while the UC is getting about $32,000 per student mm -hmm. and CSU is getting about 14K per student. So of course we're castigating them and saying, we are not trustworthy, they're not doing a good job. Folks, these are just like your most impoverished public schools. Mm -hmm. You know, Vic Chung, um, you were using the phrase earlier, K through 14, that I, that I noted in. And Sarah just know, I mean, this sounds a lot like the kinds of conversations that we're having around um, you know, public schools in, in Oakland and other districts. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I really want to add to, you know, what Sarah was talking about, right, with, with Proposition O that we're really proposing, right? Prop O proposes to fill this budget gap and put City College firmly back on track. It raises $45 million a year through a progressive parcel tax that asks homeowners to pay $150 per year and has a tiered approach to commercial properties, $150 for small businesses only, and only up to $4,000 a year so that large businesses pay their fair share and exempts renters as well as homeowners over 65, right? The money will be dedicated to four programs, one workforce education and job training, such as nursing, construction, and EMT, and two foundational skills, such as English as a second language and citizenship, three wraparound services that support student success and retention, such as counseling and queer resource centers, and four social justice and equity programs, such as African-American scholastics program. You know, um, Joe, as, uh, as uh, Vic was kind of ticking off the way that this bill, uh, this proposition works, you, the, the Chronicle, one of their other sort of counter arguments to support for, for Propo was the actual kind of implementation mechanics of the parcel tax, because as, as Vic's noting, it's a little bit more complicated than some other parcel taxes. Um, can you talk to us about that? I mean, do you do you see that as kind of an issue or what's the Yeah, the, 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 the worry is that there wasn't enough money uh, slated towards administrative, uh, uh, administrative positions to deal, actually deal with this money. Uh, you know, we certainly saw um, some uh, snags in implementing, even implementing Free City College. Uh, the city was at one point trying to claw back some of that money uh, because of uh, incorrect implementations. So we, it's it's definitely something that can be an issue. Hard to say, honestly, how much this this funding would cause an issue in that way. But one thing I wanted to flag for you is that, you know, in the past, 
Uh, you talked about previous prop, uh, uh, parcel taxes. Uh, you know, we uh, San Francisco passed Prop A in 2012 and Prop B, which is a renewal of that same parcel tax in 2016, um, overwhelmingly both times. But, you know, there's some polling, um, recent polling from about a month and a half ago that shows that uh, maybe folks are not going to support this particular parcel tax in the same overwhelming number that they have in the past. It may be in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Um, Robin writes in to say, you know, I teach in the business department at City College of San Francisco. Your framing of the enrollment drops at City College of San Francisco missed some very important data. City College saw fairly small fluctuations in enrollment until 2019 when the administration started extensive cuts to the class schedule. Enrollment dropped as a result of these cuts, and the administration has continued this cycle to the current semester. Our class schedule is 47% higher than it was four years ago. It turns out that when you remove classes, you lose students, something I wish our current uh, administration understood. Just wanted to note um, on the numbers um, that, you know, in the kind of pre-2010 era, sometimes overall headcount was 100,000. Uh, I'm looking at numbers uh, here from 2011, 2012, 83,000, 2012, 2013, 73,000. And then we kind of entered a little area where enrollment was bouncing up and down uh, 2013 onwards from about 67,000 to 62,000 um, in 2019. So there's a kind of there's a thing that's happening with the numbers here that I'm trying to note, which is essentially that City College did serve a lot more people in the pre-accreditation crisis era. It is true that it's not like pre-pandemic um, enrollment was falling off a cliff. So I just wanted to we, we're aware that there are different ways of cutting these numbers. Um, but I think it would be unfair to say that there has been no enrollment drop um, from sort of previous eras of City College. Uh, Alexis, this is Sarah. Can I add something to that yeah. that I just, I got to point out? Sure. Look, when a school is this underfunded, okay, and it, I mean, it was underfunded, not just relative to, you know, other colleges around the country. It was relative, it was relative to other comparable districts mm -hmm. in the state. When, when that happens, one of the only things that you can do actually is to cut the number of students that you effectively have on campus so mm. that you have more money per student. And because the funding levels are lagged, so in other words, if you lose students, you don't actually lose money until a couple of years later. In a weird way, the administration uh. actually has a disincentive to maintain enrollment and serve the city, which is not what the city should want. I'm not saying that's what they want to do. I'm sure they want to grow, but they actually have a reason if they're having yeah. trouble paying for the students they have to cut some students. That's a really interesting point. Sarah Goldrick, Rob, author of Paying the Price, College Cost, Financial Aid, and the Betrayal of the American Dream. We're talking about the future of City College. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the future of City College as well as community colleges across California. We're joined by Sarah Goldrick Robb, author of Paying the Price, College Cost, Financial Aid, and the Betrayal of the American Dream. Jesse Ryan, Executive Vice President of the Campaign for College Opportunity, nonprofit policy and research org that advocates for Californians to attend and succeed in college. Vic Chung, former City College student trustee, now a candidate for the City College Board of Trustees. And Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez, reporter and producer covering this issue and politics more generally in the city for KQED News. I want to go back to the phones. Um, Debbie in Pacifica, welcome back. Hi. Hi, Debbie. This is Hi, this is Debbie Giusto. I'm um, a registered nurse, and I graduated from City College in 1979. And City College has really changed my life and made it great. Hmm. Um, what, what was your experience nursing, there? Yeah. Being a registered nurse changed my life. Hmm. Yeah. Debbie, can you tell us what it was about City College that you think made your life better? Well, I was accepted into the program. I was a single mom, and I'm a Mexican-American. And at that time, I had gone to a state school, and I went to a counselor, and I said, you know, looking to get in, and they said, oh, uh, they were not letting in too many, um, you know, Hispanics then at that time. So, you know, studied hard, worked hard. I got into City College, and when I graduated, I got a job right away, and I stayed at that facility for 40 years, and that Mm. really changed my life. If I didn't go to City College, I wouldn't have been a registered nurse. You know, I was able to buy a home, raise a family, and um, retire retire at least twice already now. And I still <laughs> you might want to, I mean, Debbie, you know, you can stay retired. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's possible to stay retired. I, Get a boat. <laughs> but, but I am now working at City College again. I retired from there in 19, 2019, but I'm the director of the registered nursing program now. So not only did I graduate from City College, but I returned to mm-hmm. mentor and teach and educate our future nurses. Yeah. Hey, Debbie, so I think, think that's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. A, a beautiful cycle in amidst some of these difficulties. Um, Debbie, thank you uh, so much for that call and um, happy to have you uh, teaching our people here in the city. Um, let's, uh, let's keep going here on some more calls. Um, Sarah in San Francisco. Hi. Um, I want to thank your excellent guests for the the points that they're making, especially about how the state funding structure for community colleges rewards um, community colleges to, you know, incentivizes them to be transfer mills and uses this FTE model that does not reflect who goes to City College and the function it serves in our community in San Francisco. And I am furious at the Chronicle editorial board, not the first time that's happened, but I'm furious that they're, um, you know, 
endorsement or their their lack of endorsement that their is position right that they took to vote no on oh doesn't even acknowledge this at all this is the key thing is this funding structure and why we need to vote prop o in um you know my the the father of my kid came here from el salvador as a result of the civil war and went through the esl program at city college from from the very bottom all the way to college level English. And there are so many people that make this city what it is that have, you know, there's the nursing program. I'm so glad that the caller you just had called in. There's other vocational programs. There's the culinary program. Um, There's all these programs that make, you know, and and the people who go through those make this city what it is and give opportunity to people. And we don't need a transfer mill college, right? And what's happening now is this death spiral that other guests you've had Mm -hmm. have talked about where they cut classes, there's under-enrollment as a result, then they have to lay people off. And what we need, I mean, we need to decide what kind of city we want to have because Mm -hmm. city college is a huge part of that. So that's... Hey, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for that impassioned Thanks. defense of the of City College. You know, Jesse, so uh, Jesse Ryan, Executive Vice President of the Campaign for College Opportunity, as I understand it, your organization is in support of the current funding formula, right? And I, I, I just want you to make the case for it because we've been hearing a lot about the well, we, failings that people see in it. I would say that we wouldn't argue that our community colleges are underfunded or that public higher education doesn't deserve additional resources. You know, we have seen some significant increased funding in our California community colleges over the course of the last few years, but we know that we still need to do no, to do more. Um, what's been talked about is the student-centered funding formula, which is really built on the premise of providing funding, not just for access, not just for walking through the doors of a community college, but also for progression and completion, um, largely acknowledging that the prior funding formula, which was just access based on the third week of enrollment, was insufficient and still wasn't ensuring that we had the resources we need to serve students. But I think a really important point that nobody has mentioned um, on this is that the governor made the decision to protect against the enrollment declines by putting in place a floor that said that no community college could lose funding based on enrollment at current levels, that they were protecting community colleges based on pre-pandemic enrollment numbers. Very, very important. Now, it doesn't, in fact, get to the point of do we have enough to serve the students in the way we would want, but it is a safeguard against that enrollment decline. I do also just want to point out, because a lot of conversation has happened around enrollment challenges and serving the students of today, but there hasn't been a rich conversation around what it means to really afford going to a community college. I think that there is a misnomer that community colleges are cheap, that they are affordable, and that they are free. I'm a former low-income first-generation community college student from a rural community. It was the gateway to opportunity for me. But I will tell you, had I not also been able to access financial aid, I probably would have dropped out. 
because when we're just waiving tuition for students, especially in an area as costly as San Francisco, and not also covering the costs of books, housing, transportation, and even emergency aid when life circumstances hit our students hard, we are not removing barriers to access and completion for our students across the state. And then the last thing I just want to say is that there was a Cal Grant equity framework put into last year's budget that would expand Cal Grant, that aid that would cover that total cost of attending college for 150,000 community college students across the state. But Governor Newsom has yet to appropriate that funding. In other words, he said, we're going to do this, but the students are not seeing the checks in hand. And we have to make sure that we get that funding into the pockets of students who need it the most. Let's get uh, to a few comments here. Um, a lot of just interesting, passionate comments here. Uh, Rima writes, I immigrated to the United States and had to wait for my immigration status adjustment for two years. If it wasn't for a Saddleback Community College in Southern California, Mission Viejo, that had a non-credit program for ESL students, I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm a small business owner who employs seven employees in Silicon Valley. I think that non-credit programs are imperative for our country. Drew writes, uh, one year and six weeks into high school, I couldn't stand it. I dropped out. I soon found myself at my local community college and was so pleasantly surprised by the experience. Everyone was there because they wanted to accomplish something, a much wider range of ages, income levels, experiences, and goals than in high school. These days, no one thinks to ask if I have a high school diploma, as I got a PhD from a UC in the meantime. So much of my academic interest and success are thanks to the instructors and other students at Foothill College down in the South Bay. California community colleges are a great resource and great investment for everyone. You know, Sarah, I wanted to uh, ask you, you know, I sometimes think that one thing with an institution like City College, it's almost unthinkable that it would go away. Like it, it almost feels like it's just too big to fail, like in that in that sense. But in some of your research, you've covered communities that have completely lost any community college system. Yeah, I mean, there are there are whole swaths of the country, you know, everybody assumes every community has a community college. In Pennsylvania, we have 18 counties that don't even have a college at all. And I think that's the, the question that folks in San Francisco need to be asking yourselves. I mean, I, I, I noticed in one op-ed, it said, you know, we want to provide some tough love to CCSF. My question is, you know, can the city, does the city actually think it can live without a functional college? The college might remain open, but if it can't accept students in the programs that are needed, it is functionally closed. And I can tell you what will happen. So, I mean, the first thing that will happen is you will be open for business when it comes to for-profit colleges and universities. And these are the kinds of places who spend your taxpayer dollars on commercials that run during the Super Bowl, okay? They put their money towards marketing, not education. Secondly, you will have a growing number of people in your city who simply don't go to college. We, we really cannot pretend here, like, you know, San Francisco State is just going to pick up all the students who um, would have gone to CC, uh, you know, SF, the city college, it's not what's going to happen here. Most of these students are going to not go to college. And third, and I think this is a very big deal, you know, you really remove the sense in your population, especially of younger people, that there really is any kind of hope for them. You know, if they don't see an opportunity for education beyond high school, then the studies show they are much less likely to put the time that they need to into their high school coursework. They are more likely to get into all kinds of trouble because, again, they don't see the point in, you know, sort of preparing for something after high school. And 
you will lose an estimated, you know, based on the last study I could find, about $300 million in economic activity because you will not be equipping your small business owners and others with what they need. Yeah. You know, the one other thing I just got to address is that I think a lot of times I hear people say, look, how can we fund these college students? They're so much better off than other people. And certainly you have a lot of people who are very visibly bad off in your city, right? Your homelessness population is, is massive. This is not a dichotomy. Many people who are homeless in your city are also city colleges students. And that invisible part, that intersection has to be talked about. And many more people would be without housing in your city if they don't have the city college to help them get to the wages that will allow them to afford housing. So this is going to become part of a very vicious cycle. Joe, um... Uh, let me uh, let me just get uh, throw a comment at you from sure. uh, one of our listeners, Larry. Um, he says, I've been in a higher education for more than three decades, and California's community colleges basically helped to save my kids' education. Here's the problem. More money doesn't necessarily mean more programs or more support for faculty and students. Bad administration and poor management often prevent better funding from actually expanding access or enriching teaching and learning. This, Larry believes, is the crux of the issue at CCSF, decades of bad management. Can your commentators focus on this issue? And the question I have for you uh, out of this comment, Joe, is, Mm -hmm. you know, we've heard lots of people in the past concerned about, you know, former mismanagement. Right. But what about the current management? Well, we even had (laughs) when you talk about former management, we even had at one point like a, 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 I think, an embezzlement scandal at some point more than a decade ago. It was it was quite shocking. Uh, And when I first started going to City College, uh, I, I am a. City, former city college student myself. I started my journalism career on the Guardsman newspaper, a little cub reporter mm. uh, with my little notebook. And uh, <laughs> and at that point, Don Q. Griffin was the chancellor, and he was much beloved. He came up through the faculty. He understood the needs of City College. Uh, he retired after four years. He had some health issues. But ever since then, we had a revolving door of chancellors. And so now we finally have a chance. Like eight and eight years or something. It's something crazy. And the and when we talk about this philosophical difference, a lot of them come from this pool of like substitutes that they use that come from different parts of the state where they don't have the same mission as City College. So they kind of had a different philosophy. Again, not saying which one is better, just saying that they were different and they looked at what City College should be doing far differently. Now we have a chancellor, David Martin, who came up from the financial side of City College, and he has a little more experience with the college Mm. itself. I was just um, listening to a a board trustee meeting this morning, uh, and he was, uh, it wasn't this morning, but I was listening to it this morning, and he was talking again about trying to meet the needs of students where they are now. But again, a lot of the college faculty and some of the trustee candidates we're seeing really disagree with those class cut decisions. Um, let's get to another caller. Uh, Piccola in Martinez, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for calling. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks so, for calling. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share my experience. Um, I attended City College back in two thousand between two thousand two between two thousand and two thousand three. Um, that's where I learned English for the first time as a new immigrant from Ethiopia. Um, That's where I learned um, art, swimming, everything from, you know, international dancing, I mean, Afro dancing. Um, So, sorry, I'm nervous. This is my first time calling. You're doing great. Um, You're doing great. (laughs) Keep going. So, also, that's where I met a lot of friends from all over the world. 
and you know the counselors that put me on track to continue my education. Um, so I feel like the experience and the education I got at City College is priceless, and I hope it stays there for future you know generation to use. Um, unfortunately, I don't live in San Francisco anymore. I can't I can't vote on the measures. But I hope uh, they decide to keep it um, yeah. fair. Pico, that's a that was a fantastic telling of a great story of like the great hope of uh, of community colleges. I mean, Sarah, is there anything better to illustrate your point about community colleges being kind of like democracy in this country? No, there really isn't. And I think that we have to acknowledge, you know, what what really has been done to these institutions. I mean, frankly, people from local communities like yours said that they wanted these colleges. All right. That's why they were created. This was not like a federal experiment in higher education. This came from local communities and states. These colleges opened and then several decades later, there began a major public a, a major attack on public education of all types. Community colleges have been part of that struggle along with the K-12 schools. And so the stories of community college students have really not been told. If you ask somebody, what does a college student do? They're going to tell you a story based on what they saw on television or experienced themselves at their own college. And unless they went to community college or know someone or love someone who did, they're not gonna be able to describe that person. We invest in what we know. If we think that Stanford is what college really is, well, then we don't think we have to fund uh, community colleges, but the fact is the majority of students are like the one we just heard from. The Stanford student is really the 1%. Hmm. You know, Joe, maybe uh, wrap this up for us here just in the last 30 seconds we've got. Do you think, just based on what you've heard, like where do you think this proposition is going to land? Uh, I think there's a real possibility that voters are wary of pass parcel taxes, even when so many value city college and what it offers and i think that may face the uh, may force the college to make some very uh, tough decisions yeah we've been talking about the future of city college in san francisco as well as community colleges across california with joe fischer rodriguez our own reporter here at kqed thanks joe thank you also been joined by vic chung a former city college student trustee now candidate for the city college board of trustees well thanks for coming vic thank you Jesse Ryan's executive vice president of the Campaign for College Opportunity. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for having me. And Sarah Goldrick Robb, author of Paying the Price College Costs, Financial Aid, and the Betrayal of the American Dream. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much to all of you for all of your calls and your comments. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of them. There's a lot of people who have a really deep relationship to the school and to community colleges uh, around the state. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.